Hello and welcome to Tut Manor Podcast. So we've won again. We're still unbeaten. Um, so we should have some happy campers on the pod this week. John is still on holiday. I think he's still on holiday. Is he still in Sri Lanka? I imagine so. Uh, so we'll miss the beautiful born for radio tones of his voice. And uh, Jack, who's been on the last couple of pods, he's still away as he was at the England game in the Czech Republic watching us lose our first qualifier for 10 years. So Jack, please stay the hell away from Rotherham. Um, I, I'm guessing he's going to he's going to the Bulgaria game as well, isn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is, yeah. yeah. He's on a little Euro tour. He even watched Belgium v San Marino in between as well. Amazing. Oh, actually, no, that was before the initial England game, wasn't it? He's uh, missing out on the good football though, really, any? Absolutely. What an idiot. So, uh-huh. yeah, we're down to the bare bones today, chaps, in terms of personnel. There's only three of us. And uh, personally, I'm delighted with that as it means, you know, my life's a lot easier when it comes to the edit. So, uh, Ben. Edit? We don't, we don't edit anything. We well, actually, yeah, for the listeners, <laughs> as you can tell, our podcasts are extremely long. So, yeah, I don't really cut any content out. It's just because we do this remotely, all of our tracks end up being way out of sync because of latency and other exciting things like that. So it's great fun trying to chop and change to like make everyone not talk over each other. But there you go. Ben, what's uh, top of the table in terms of your week? Uh, well, light night in Leeds on Friday night. If a lot of people don't know what that is, it's basically just a free arts festival across the entire city of Leeds where everything's lit up and it's pretty cool. So that was yeah. beer and light on Friday. That was my night. Good, good. Yeah, outside work, they've got a load of little, because I work next to Clarence Dock, next to the, the water, and they put a lot of little boats on, put a little light on all the boats. It's very, very, very sweet. Nice. Yeah. Connor, how be you? I'm good, mate. I'm very well. Again, give me more. <laughs> yeah, I've had a pretty good week in the office. Um, a nice weekend as well. Um, I think actually one of the highlights of the other week was uh, 30 undergraduate students at the University of Ulster learnt a little bit about the A420 Derby this week. Oh, really? What did yeah, you teach them? they did. Did um, you teach them, did you buy them seven in a row t-shirts? <laughs> no, that's for, that's for the next, that's for the next lecture. Uh, no, nah, so for, for people that don't know, obviously not many people do know this, um, I research in the sociology of sport and uh, for my undergrad dissertation, I looked at the uh, the construction and the performance of the fan rivalry between Oxford and Swindon. Um, this was a couple of years back now. And I interviewed fans from both sides of the rivalry, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, long story short, a group of uh, undergrad students at Ulster um, had to produce their research proposal for their dissertations. And uh, my research was used as like a class handout to form some basic discussions about social science research. So, uh, yeah, a bunch of students had the privilege of uh, reading about the A420 rivalry, which, you know, I'm trying to spread the word. Nice. Did you wear like a boiler suit or like a nuclear grade suit when you interview the Swindon people? Yeah. I mean, I kind of went undercover a little bit, actually, because I had to had to keep it on the low that I was an Oxford fan because, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, actually, a, a few people who I approached initially for it refused to, refused to speak to me because I was an Oxford fan. So, uh, you know, going Good. forward, I certainly had to... So keep it on the down low. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what are we doing today? 
So there's a couple of news items to run through. We'll touch on the Pompey Checker Dog trophy match. We'll talk about uh, obviously the glorious Doncaster game. Ben's going to summarise what went off across League One. Connor's going to preview Rotherham away next weekend. Even though the, you're the only one of us that isn't going, but that's good. You can tell us what to do. Uh, we'll have another. <laughs> we'll have another trip down oh, really? memory lane with uh, on this day. We'll confirm who won the pleasure of filling the right back void in the last pick in PE eleven, and we'll move on to the left back position. Um, we've got a nice little story for that that someone kind of sent in. We're going to keep them anonymous, but we'll talk about that then. And Ben is doing the quiz for me and Connor to battle out with. So there you go. Uh, head to head. Head to head. It's a new thing. It's a first on to manor. It is. Looking forward right. to it. Let's go. You're going to notice something new now. See? There's no oh. kind of parch, parch, partridge-esque. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's off. He's, he's ben made gone. Yeah, Ben made a request that I um, extend the length of the quiz music because I have to restart it like 10 times every time we have a quiz. So as part of doing that, I've changed a couple of other things as well. There you go. The man has the power. (laughs) Uh, So in terms of news, the main thing that popped up last week was that obviously due to kind of all of the injuries, Hanson's injured, George Fawn's injured, Ben Woodburn's sideline for the next three months or so. So we're obviously looking at kind of free the free agent market, and that's kind of been discussed. It was there was an actual meeting where the board and KR got together to talk about potential targets. Um, there's a, a kind of box of mail article about it as well. And given kind of free agents are likely to be training on their own, it's obviously going to take longer to get them up to match fitness and that type of stuff. And be it that Woodburn and people may come back after three months or so, it's kind of a difficult one to work out. But there's probably not much more to say about that ultimately. <laughs> Um, it would be good to f- fill some gaps, I guess. I'll be interested to see if we actually do go for any free agents, to be honest, because I feel like there's there's space, for, especially you know, going forward. I think we'll we'll I think with the squad we've got at the moment, and even with the injuries, I think we should be all right. It's just obviously down to the suspensions and things also that might play a part. But I seriously doubt they'll dip their toe into it, to be honest. I- I think on the phone in after the Doncaster game on Radio Oxford, Jem Karachan came up again. But I imagine, you know, either these free agents will be prioritizing free agents that are keeping themselves dead fit and can prove said fitness, I would imagine. Yeah. But he would be a good one with a load of experience. And so, you know, he was the one that was mentioned. I uh, guess the, time will tell. Time will tell. The other thing, uh, well, there was the Manager of the Month Award and the Player of the Month Award, and we had nominations for both. So Robinson didn't win the Manager of the Month Award. And who was personally insulted by this? This was me. This was me that put it in there. I was just, I just couldn't believe he didn't win it. Like, we'd literally done everything right this month. We've had such a great month, and he still didn't win it. I was like, when you look at the other candidates, though, so Ainsworth for Wickham, again, they've been on a crazy run with yeah, a lesser they, budget than us. Agreed. Agreed. And, I, don't, uh, I don't agree with Joey Barton because Joey Barton shouldn't be managing after what he did. Um, <laughs> no, he shouldn't be. I'm sorry. When he when he punched that, uh, what, I, I can't remember what team it was now. It was Barnsley. Uh, it was, it was Barnsley, yeah, the manager. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. Yeah, I'm sorry. He shouldn't be managing. So, you know, I, I personally void him, give it to Carl Robinson. There you go. Graham 
uh, <laughs> Coughlin, uh, the Bristol Rovers manager, they've actually been on an incredible run of form as well. And you could argue again with a maybe a slightly lesser budget than us. And then, yeah, obviously Joey Joey won it. But personally, I thought um, between um, KR and uh, the Bristol Rovers manager, I thought was a more appropriate battle. But there you go. Maybe it is just because Joey's a bit of a douche. But Fixed. anyway. <laughs> so in terms of uh, player of the month, James Henry was nominated and he was referred to in the EFL write-up for this as a veteran midfielder, which... Uh, Made me quite sad because I'm 32 and he's 30. I don't think 30 is veteran. No, is it veteran? I'm, I'm not convinced that 30 is veteran. I think give it a couple more years when he's your age, maybe, then it's veteran. <laughs> but, you know. Sod, sod off. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking, mate. Okay. But he, um, you know, obviously Henry's now taking the form into this weekend as well. So maybe he can win it next month. We'll see. Um. Actually, sorry, the guy that won that was uh, Bristol Rovers striker, which is why the probably the manager was there. He basically scored five game-defining goals and was kind of like a rightful winner. And um, finally, in terms of news, there's some sad news, unfortunately. I'm not sure if you guys have caught this because we haven't had a chance to catch up before the pod, really. But um, Oxford fan Andy James, known as Womble, has sadly passed away, which is obviously really sad. Um, he was the definition of a diehard superfan and one of... and one at one point he hadn't missed a game in 23 years which was 1200 games and that run was brought to an end in 2012 i was reading up on this today there was an oxford mail article from back in 2012 but he was on his way to burton where his car his bmw got two punches on the way and um that's the only reason why he missed missed a game but 12 1200 games without missing one um terrific yeah absolutely phenomenal isn't it yeah. yeah, the reaction today on social media, you can see just how, how much kind of love poured in for him and memories and that type of stuff. And you just see how highly thought of he was within the Oxford community and within the Oxford family. And um, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be another fan quite like him, like him from now on, really. But thoughts obviously go out to Andy's family and friends. And uh, hopefully the club do something to recognise his uh, support over the years. Anything to add, chaps, on that? I echo everything you said. Um, I think when I saw it earlier on on Twitter, it was a uh, it was it's very sad news. So again, thoughts obviously with his family and friends. Yeah, and exactly the same. Great guy, and and hopefully the next home game will get a big chant for him during the game. I've only met him a couple of times, and all I know is that he would sing come on you yellows on his own and everyone would go shut up one ball all together and I never I always joined in for over the years but I've never had a chance to understand why it became a thing but <laughs> you know I joined in and laughed it was good uh, it's just it's credit credit to the guy then isn't it that you know he's got got his own almost his own little charm <laughs> for himself so I think yeah I think like like Ben said I think it'd be fantastic if if certainly the next home game um and obviously at Rotherham as well with some of the more diehard fans um, get something going for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, but life goes on and the show must go on and Oxford will go on while OUFC will go on long after we all depart this world and nothing really matters after that, really, and it puts stuff into perspective. But uh, something that definitely doesn't matter is the auto windscreen checker dog paint pot trophy that we better mention it. <laughs> That 
That was a nice link, wasn't it? Seamless. <laughs> Seamless link. I'm getting better. <laughs> Auto windscreen. That absolutely killed me when I first read that. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me so much, but oh, brilliant. I'll thank Ben for that. Yep. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, so in terms of the lineup for the... T- t- oh, I'm just having to catch up on this now because I literally have spent two minutes checking up on this game. But Sykes came in, was playing left wing. Rob Hall came in, right wing. Matty Taylor started having not played um, or started against Gillingham. Strong midfield, Gorin, Brannigan and Baptiste. And then Elliot Moore came in as well. And, uh, oh, sorry, Sam Long was at right back. So in terms of key moments in the game, Taylor managed to notch a goal. Have you guys caught up on that, Connor? It was a tidy finish after being played through. It was, yeah. Nice left-footed strike, just to, sort of to the keeper's left-hand side in the bottom right corner. It was, uh, yeah, striker's finish. Something that you would expect a player of Taylor's calibre to stick away at least nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten. Yeah, and what, once again, Rob Dickey, instrumental in the build-up to that goal as well. And I saw someone else post, I think it was a video from his input into one of the Doncaster goals that we'll talk about, yeah. but... Someone can make essentially a show reel now of Rob Dickey playing as if he's the kind of in the cam role based <laughs> on all of his through balls that he's playing through. So incredible. Um, Pompey then got a scrappy equalizer, close range. Eastwood got a, a massive hand to it, and you could argue maybe he should have kind of kept it out, but it kind of went through him. Um, then, kind of the rest of the game, the Pompey keeper was having a worldie and the Portsmouth fans uh, seem to acknowledge that themselves. One of their Twitter accounts posting something to highlight how well one of their young upcoming keepers was actually doing. Yeah, I don't know. I think you guys catch so, that. Yeah, but something on just very quickly. Obviously, I know this. It's it's as we've said. It's the auto windscreen trophy that no one cares about. But I have to say, fair play to the Pompey fans because I thought they were really good. They were noisy and they backed their young team. In a, in a competition that really doesn't matter. So I think fair play to Pompey fans, putting that out there. Yeah. They've got a good fan base, they to be have, fair yeah. to them. Uh, the second Pompey goal, Eastwood's starting position. I always feel, again, that I'm hammering Eastwood. And like we've said last week, he is in absolute credit still. But his starting position must have been off slightly as he kind of rushed out really late and the Pompey guy kind of just poked the ball under him. So there was things around that he was potentially at fault for both goals. But like I said, still absolutely in credit. Please don't abuse me. Uh, (laughs) And then we seem to, like I said, hammer Pompey for much of the game. And then Dickie managed to squeeze in a late equaliser again, a good finish. And uh, we eventually lost on pens. I saw Ox uh, blogger post something great that kind of was saying, we managed to draw. (laughs) I wish I wrote it down now, but I didn't draw. We managed to... Win the game, no, sorry, draw the game, but go through, but lose all at the same time. <laughs> Just highlights the stupidity of this competition, but yep. that's for another episode. That's it. Uh, ben, how did you feel after that dramatic penalty shootout? Uh, nah, <laughs> we'd, okay, we'd won, let's move we'd on. We'd one great, but I did, uh, I did see because I, I did think at the time actually, we've seen you've done all right with penalties in penalty shootouts recently. I know most of them have been in this competition. But yeah, I did a bit of research today. And until Ruffles miss, uh, we'd scored our last 13 consecutive penalties in shootouts over the last three years. That was four different matches. And the last person to miss was Ryan Ledson against Charlton last January. 
So wow. not too bad a record. Did you steal that off someone? No, no, or? I actually went back and looked through the games. Jesus Christ. That's why you're on the podcast. I like it. Yeah. Rare moments of brilliance and just quietness for the rest of the time. <laughs> thinking. <laughs> you're thinking about these Always things. Thinking, thinking and, and lag. <laughs> All the uh, lag. So... <laughs> We are still to play uh, Crawley in November at the People's Pension Stadium, so we're already through. So, what does it, you know, what does that game mean? Play the kids. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we'll move on. So, we can talk about something that matters now. So, Doncaster at home. This is still fresh in the memory. It was another great, great day, lads, wasn't it? How are we feeling? Beautiful. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, really, really happy. as another good result and another great performance. Yeah, going into the game, Donny had the second best defensive record behind Ipswich in the league and just goal difference separated the sides in League One before kickoff. So again, no mean feat with what we've ended up doing. Uh, in terms of the lineup, uh, no Taylor. So he was out with a bug. I imagine he probably would have started this game if he was fit. Uh, Woodburn obviously still out. Sykes, actually, yeah, I should say Sykes with a bit more enthusiasm because he started a league game. So Sykes started right wing. Uh, lots of folks call in for him to be given more of an opportunity, and probably he's been battering KR's door. So good on him, and uh, he did all right. I think something on. Sorry, very quick on Sykes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we were talking about it, weren't we, at the beginning of the season when when he was rumoured to be going out on loan. I have to say now, looking at the injuries of the, to the squad that we've got, um, it's it's imperative that he's around now, I think, because he'll get some game time. And obviously, with what he's been showing uh, on the performances and the games he has played, he's, he's been doing well. So I think fair play to him for sticking at it. And hopefully now he'll have the chance to, to push on in this side. Because I Absolutely. like Sykes, personally. So. Yeah, I was definitely for him going out on loan when it looked like he was going to get an opportunity for kind of first team football potentially in League Two or something. But yeah, now it makes absolute sense that he's hanging around. Uh, in terms of the subs, so we had Stevens, Long, Elliot Moore, Baptiste was on the bench, Hall and Dan Aji got onto the bench. But we only named six, not seven. Uh, ben, have you seen what KR said about this? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I hadn't actually seen it, but... At the time, you're thinking there's got to be players around the club, under 23s, under 18s, who are sitting in the stands watching the game who could have filled the number seven spot on the bench. So, yeah, having having seen what you've mentioned about it, it's a bit concerning if if they're not putting in enough effort or desire in training to get on the bench. That's that's not good. Yeah, that was just it. He, he kind of said in the interview post-match that, that none of the under 23 players were up to it at the moment and hadn't been showing enough in training or in kind of reserve matches to warrant a place on the bench. But, you know. I think that's, that's interesting considering Burko wasn't mentioned there because he's actually played this year as well, hasn't he? So makes you wonder, makes you wonder sort of what, like what pressure is, what pressure is he putting on? Well, actually, how old is Burko? 19, 20? Oh, okay. He is part of the under 23s and not the under 18s. Yeah, but that just makes you wonder sort of the pressure that these players are putting on the first team squad, that's all. So, I mean, fair play to KR for standing his ground. Yeah. I mean, like Ben says, there's got to be one good lad somewhere who's done well recently that you could have, um, you know. Yeah, I think I think it was probably it was probably more more the fact of 
uh, Taylor pulled out quite late and if that player wasn't available to actually be in the squad especially if he's like an under 18s player like he might not actually be available to, to stick on the bench yeah. but you know that's all just the politics of football isn't it indeed so in terms of the football so we started with a high press as we have been in recent games it seemed to work really well as Donny just couldn't play through us uh, first half kind of Fossu, Brannigan and Henry had early chances and I particularly enjoyed if you look back at the highlights when we're shooting down towards the fence end I particularly enjoyed when the kind of like the car park scramble for the ball after Fossu launched <laughs> one over the bar like who are these people that are kind of in the car park dwelling like these kind of car park predators <laughs> for the ball to come over you just see loads of people just kind of running towards to be, the ball to be fair like I, I used to be a ball boy at Oxford and I, I had been, I had been for for years and I used to be one of the one of the lads who used to run out into the car park to go and get the balls you know where they go over the top and even back then when I was a ball boy there were plenty of plenty of you know, like you say, predators <laughs> hanging around the car park who want some footballs. The thing is, those balls are worth about 60 quid each. So, you know, if, if you do manage to grab one, then, I mean, you probably wouldn't sell it, but, you know, you'd keep it. But Well, well, you're obviously not enough of a fan to be inside nah. the stadium on a match well, day. Yeah. So that's a, that's another, yeah, that's another topic <laughs> for later, that is. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fossu then kind of hit the outside of the post with a, a curling effort towards the far corner. is a really good good chance well he kind of made that chance himself and uh donny then went down the other end and kieran sadlier who kind of ben picked out on on the preview last week went really close but that was kind of like the closest they came pretty much in the whole game uh we then scored during uh, kind of as the game <laughs> moved into injury time in the first half so Brannigan found henry in the center of the pitch 25 30 yards out and he unleashed um a great shot which took a big deflection to be fair which wrong-footed the keeper. But what was nice to see is Henry kind of fed Brannigan last week for his not-too-dissimilar effort at Accrington, which had a you know same result. I'm not too sure if that's worth pointing out or not, but Ben, did you enjoy that goal? I did. What I also liked was for, for Brannigan to get that space to, to lay it into Henry. There's uh, quite simple just sort of one-twos, about three or four passes with ruffles on the left wing. And all it does is every time they get the ball, they just turn pass it back to each other but it just drags the defenders out of place and it just pushed him wide enough and deep enough that Brannigan had the space to turn and lay it off to Henry it's just little things like that simple football but actually it was effective you don't have to just try and take everyone on yeah it's not luck that that we seem to have acres of space in the middle of the pitch every now and then it's the way we're moving the ball around um the second half then starts and instantly we're scoring again so great work from Fosu which is becoming a commonality in our play where he's kind of bringing the ball out from deep and we eventually end up scoring so carried the ball through midfield kind of rode a few challenges eventually feeding Sykes whose effort was blocked it fell to Cadden who played a kind of a pinpoint pass into the center towards the penalty spot to Brannigan who side footed accurately into the goal um yeah another great finish Cadden's how many assists before we go on to the actual finish itself how many assists do you reckon Cadden's got Connor (laughs) I wouldn't be able to put a number on it, mate, to be honest. But no, Cadden's clearly got, he's got some qualities, hasn't he? And I think obviously the uh, his assist side of the game is one of those. And this was another really good one because it was, again, it was a really great instinctive pass. Like you say, it was pinpoint accuracy. And it was just all Brannigan had to do really was just, you know, get enough on it and sort of direct it into the corner because the, the pass itself had enough pace on it. 
and that's, that's it. You know, that's credit to to Cadden's work because I imagine that's something that he works on a lot in training. Is you know going you know those sort of cut back yeah for sure sort of uh, crosses. So yeah, it was, it was a good goal. I knew the answer. I was, I was hoping you would answer it, but it's oh. three assists. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking. I was actually thinking it might it might be more, but he yeah it was Blackpool which you were at. Come on, yeah. With Ruffles scored from that. that cross, oh yeah, that cross. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. T- and then Ben oh, was yeah, the other t- one. I know the other one as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I was just about to say that. Uh, I said that without my lips moving. Wow. <laughs> How did Pretty you do that? <laughs> okay um so 33 scouts were apparently in the crowd was this like kind of an exaggeration that i i definitely there was something posted on one of our whatsapp groups saying there were 33 scouts at the game and i didn't i did hear jerome mention it on some of the commentary but who are they are they looking at Brannigan? are they looking at baptiste do they know henry's out of contract next summer i feel really nervous about all of this stuff I, Connor, what do you think? Go on, Ben. Go on, ben. I was going to say, I think it's probably all of the above. Okay, I was going to say Brannigan. <laughs> to be honest, well, there's too many. There's there's too many there, isn't there, to be looking uh, at? I, I, I don't know, mate. Brannigan, Brannigan could play any club in the Premiership, any club in the Championship. There you go. So mm. you know, potentially we could have <laughs> I know, a bit of an exaggeration, but no, Brannigan is a cl- is class, and I I seriously seriously doubt he's going to be with us for much longer. I I I don't think I I personally don't think he'll be off in January. I think he might stick stick through the season with us, depending on our league position uh, going into January. But I would really like to see him stay until at least the end of the season. Ben, what do you reckon? I don't know what you guys think? Yeah, uh, I think he'll be with us until the summer and then he'll leave. Okay. I absolutely think he'll be gone in January and I think that I don't think they'd have been looking at Baptiste quite yet. I don't yeah. think his um, performances have been consistent enough as of yet, but it may be enough for someone to take a punt, but I'm kind of happy yeah. that's the case. And he's on a five-year deal as well, right? So yeah. And also I think with the, the note on James Henry, um, <laughs> we need to be having words with him surely you know in terms of new contracts and, and things because he's he's on fire at the moment just yeah, yeah I, think get, I think we get are. To, end of october they've planned yeah. in yeah good good get him to sign on that dotted line right um donny then kind of came into the game after our second second goal and moose somehow cleared a kind of really dangerous cross that was kind of flighted in at kind of waist height over the bar from like three or four yards out to stop what surely would have been a goal. It was fun. To be fair, absolutely brilliant from him. And he was a lot of people's man of the match after the game. Uh, and then one, two between the subs, Baptiste and Dan Aji, who came on late on, led to the former playing the ball off a Doncaster player's hand from a yard or so away. I thought it was incredibly harsh. And if this was a game defining moment and it was the other way around I would have been fuming but it wasn't so who cares and then uh, James Henry (laughs) stepped up (laughs) on 78 minutes and it was a composed finish from the penalty uh, to notch his eighth goal of the season going to the keeper's left the goalie got a strong hand to it to be fair but couldn't keep it out and James Henry's confidence must be right up there and uh, (laughs) after the game Henry was interviewed on Radio Oxford in relation to the to the battle for the yellow boot, as we should call it. Henry suggested um, that Brannigan's giving him a load of stick about how pens shouldn't count towards his kind of goal tally. 
he's got four pens already uh, this season, which is an astronomical amount, to be fair, at this stage of the season. But amazing. Um, but yeah, we talked in recent weeks and asked the question about whether we struggle a bit if James Henry isn't on it. Um, ben, you brought it up originally, and then you said, I think in the last pod, it doesn't really make any sense that it's it's a thing. But he was on it, and then we played incredible. <laughs> yeah, and while I was while I was on my stats hunt and facts today, uh, I thought I'd just see actually if he scores, does it make a difference? Um, he's played a hundred league games for us. He scored in twenty four of them. Of the games he scored in, we've won fifty eight percent compared to twenty four when he hasn't. And a general positive result, either a win or a draw, is 80% when he scores and 50% when he doesn't. So again, that's probably is, is that a direct relation? Who knows? Could be cause and effect, but it's another thing where he plays well, we play well. Long may it continue. Uh, so I imagine a load of people in their cars are probably getting their fingers out to try and count what you just said. I'm trying to go... I've got it in front of me and I'm trying to read it. So <laughs> 100 league games, <laughs> he's scored in 24... Yeah, of of those, of those we won fifty eight percent. Yeah, yeah. Positive result in eighty percent compared to the games with no goal, where he didn't score. We won twenty four positive run fifty seven. That's interesting. So even though he might not have scored, you would expect others to score, and then we'd go on and get a result. But okay, there we go. Uh, performances of no other than Henry and uh, anyone. Well, we kind of already mentioned Fossu. So Fossu was one that came up mainly because of his defensive work rate and. I don't know how we've talked about him all the time right he's he's proving us he's proving to us that he's just an absolute staple in the team and he's he's bringing everything to the party that I don't think some of us were expecting when we first signed him I don't know Connor what you reckon I mean he's just it's just I don't even know what to say about him I just think at the moment he's just on fire isn't he in like almost every department so long may that continue yeah He's blocking the the thing that was called out was he was tracking black, back and blocking a load of crosses as well, and but you just it, don't really expect that. It goes back to what what we said a couple of pods ago. I think it was about the relationship he has with Carl Robinson, and clearly, Carl is now beginning to get the best out of him in in more than just the forward areas. Like you just say, you know, it's getting inside the player's head, and and obviously Carl can do that, and it looks like it's paying off for us. Yeah. Uh, Mackie was the other one of note. So he had another kind of sterling review from fans and the management alike, just again, purely through his work work rate. And again, early on in that first half, when we were applying that early press, he's obviously a big part of that. No kind of stories about his finger getting near anyone in terms of violation. <laughs> but... <laughs> he's had a week off. He's given the finger a week off. And no doubt, no doubt it will return at Rotherham. Uh, if you're in the car with your children, you don't have to explain this. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dickie, unfortunately, got kind of a soft yellow card. I think he kind of like went to block a keeper or a keeper's kick out or something like that. So relatively needless booking. Uh, it's going to happen at some point, right? He's He had a load of games left to go before the slate was wiped. So he's going to miss Rotherham next week. But we've got Elliot Moore to come in. So um, as KR was saying, we shouldn't be too down in the dumps about that. And he'll be back after that. Um, but in terms of the defence, no shot on target whatsoever for Doncaster to help us kind of claim that additional clean sheet, which is now five out of six in the league, which is absolutely fantastic. And... Uh, 
In terms of stats, we didn't hold as much of the ball as we kind of have been doing at home, but that's because of the way Doncaster play. So it was an even split there, 20 shots to their seven. And again, as I said, they had none on target, whereas we had nine. Um, But a really good performance. And in terms of the reaction, KR was kind of being a bit brutal with the team in terms of that second half display, saying we kind of lost our shape, rode our luck a couple of times, but again, acknowledged that Donnie are just actually a good team. Obviously mentioned the clean sheet record that we've got at the moment. Um, if you take out Accrington, it's phenomenal. Um, players just generally working for each other and being honest about the amount of effort they're putting in. That was another thing that KR referenced and he thought Jamie Mackey was the man of the match. And paraphrasing a bit, he talked about how, you know, we're missing Napper, George Fawn, Ford, who got injured at Accrington, Hansen, and he referenced that we paid a lot of money for Hansen. He's, you know, he's nowhere near the team at the moment for injury. Matty Taylor, Woodburn, not available. We've come a long way with the squad and the borders kind of backed him. And whilst we're not, he said this, whilst we're not a top six team, we've been clever with our recruitment. And I'd absolutely agree with that. I think that's fair, a fair reaction. It's, it was, you know, sensible stuff. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah I thought the same. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> it's <one> of, <laughs> I need to ask you guys the question to avoid uh, the dreaded kind of lag-based replies. <laughs> we'll just battle it out, me and Ben. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that was nice, um, Darren Moore, opposition manager, quite an articulate bloke. You know, I, I'm getting used to opposition managers basically saying nice things about Oxford United, but a very he had a very reasonable and honest post-match interview. And uh, he was saying kind of, yeah, goals change games, uh, but Oxford got them at the crucial times. Donny were found, well, he said, we were found a bit wanting in that respect. And he said, credit to Oxford. We want to try, wanted to try and come here and stop that momentum and get back to winning ways. But in the end, they were a little bit too strong for us. Good feedback, right, Connor? Happy with that? Yeah. Well, he's not wrong, is he? Because we were clearly a little bit too strong for them. Um, so, yeah, it's, like I say, I, oh, sorry, like you say, I think it's nice to see managers actually praising us. That's it. And then Nathan Cooper and a load of other um, journalists, the guy from the Oxymel as well, basically going on Twitter saying, you know, we're just a joy to watch at the moment, not just the results, but the football itself is outstanding. Uh Nathan was saying players clearly enjoying it too. It won't always be this exciting and we'll lose some games, but let's enjoy these moments and give credit where it's due. And that is absolutely what we should be doing. And that's what we are doing because we're in a good mood and we're celebrating. Um, what is interesting though, and this has come up a few times and there's been a bit of chatter about it on Twitter and, and such, but the attendance. So we had a total attendance of just under 7,000 so six eight six one. Donny just brought just under five hundred, um, and then the Oxford Mail guys did uh, an article. I only just caught it actually after the game, but they did an article pre Doncaster, um, and then talked to KR about the attendances in general and referenced the home record. And I wasn't aware of this, but home record in twenty nineteen in general after the Donny win, played twenty one, won twelve, drawn seven, lost two. That is incredible stuff. It's, we're almost at the point now where we might be able to call, sorry, the, the stadium, I'm not going to call it what it's really called, um, a fortress at this point. I might have jinxed it by saying that, but looking at those stats, I mean, that's that's impressive stuff. Ha, can a fortress have a, like... Yeah, it can have a massive. <laughs> it can have a massive <laughs> hole in it. So <laughs> I, I swore you can blink. You can oh. blink, you can blink that. 
you can blink on that one out. Well. Sorry, 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 kids. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe a fortress is not quite the, <laughs> the metaphor to describe it. I think that's how KR describes it. To be fair, oh, well, um, I'll, I'll back whatever he says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at this point yeah the two games we lost can you remember what they are Ben I can but, but then I'm cheating oh yeah because you're so reminding us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so if anyone's interested we lost to Peterborough 1-0 in March last oh no I think it was February uh, this year to an Ivan Tony goal and then obviously we had the 4-2 defeat um, at home to Burton which was demoralizing but it feels a million miles away now so that's fine uh the club haven't had a sub 7000 average for a season since 2014 15 um but robinson kind of was saying it's too early to make a judgment on it um the Oxford mail article talks about half of skybet league one have bigger gates so far than our kind of average of 6800 ish and uh a fair point was made that kind of the likes of sunderland ipswich bolton bristol wickham all to come and I'll, they'll obviously bring a big away support which chucks that average right up the Oxford um, stats, what's it? Oxstats.co.uk. There's a shout out for them. But I'm enjoying the stuff they're putting out. We're saying people kind of comparing this season to last season, saying there's dramatic kind of change, uh, kind of misinformed because it's very consistent, really. Um, I think the bigger problem that we've got is that Oxfordshire's got a population of, you know, 700,000 people and we need more people to come and support the club. Like, it's no, there's not really much point looking at this year versus last year. We just need um, people around Oxfordshire to realise how well the club is doing and to get behind them is, is ultimately it. Some more happy stats. So if you're listening to the pod and you're thinking about starting to go to Oxford United, which is extremely unlikely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> given that I don't think our remit is that big. Uh, also, it shouldn't be plugging the younger fans with, with the language flying around in these podcasts. Oh, terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, some more happy stats anyway. So we've lost once in the last 12 games. We're unbeaten in the last six league games. We're second in the form table, only behind Ipswich. Uh, we are top scorers in the football league in all competitions, and we're only a point off. After that result on Saturday, we're only a point away from the playoffs. Beard that a few teams in the league have a couple of games in hand. But yeah, fantastic. Before we go on to kind of looking at results around League One, if we put in kind of like drawing a line in the sand of where we're at now, because um, again, there was a bit of chatter on social media about KR again, and we're always, we're a bunch, you know, a fickle lot football fans in general, but I think my view, and you guys obviously have your opinions on this as well, but we shouldn't be too quick to forget our struggles last season and even the tough start to this campaign. So let's celebrate how we're doing now and the run we're on and congratulate the team and the staff, obviously including KR, but hope that we maintain top half or better playoff form throughout the season. Um, I was uh, Another point I was going to make is that we've already done enough in this run now to afford a couple of bad performances. We're probably due one. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? You're in the same place? Yeah, I know I am. And you're right, You know, we're, we're going to lose at some point unless we have an incredible season. But yeah, it's just when we do, again, you just, we need to stay grounded and, you know, we might lose one, maybe two in a row, but it's not like, oh, the wheels have fallen off and, you know, that's it. We're terrible. It, sometimes you get those games, we might have a bad run of, of strong teams we come up against. But yeah, you're right. You know, we, we need to, yeah, let's absolutely go with the flow, but let's, you know, 
we can't just forget the, the good performances or the bad performances. They're all part of a 46-game yeah. season. And using the credit analogy that we've used for Eastwood a couple of times, Connor, where do you think KR's at now in terms of his old-school mobile phone credit? Mm, yeah, he's got a fair few quid on there, I think. Um, it was it was funny actually. I've, I'm part of a uh, group chat from friends from from uni, and uh, I've got a, there's a Swindon fan in there, unfortunately, um, a Wimbledon fan and a Cambridge fan. And uh, the the uh, Wimbledon fan is keen to note how I slated Carl Robinson last season, and he's basically got all the screenshots of the messages that I've sent him. So whenever I say anything good about him, he just sends these screenshots in of me slating him. So. You know, if he listens to this, which he might, because he does, he does listen to this. Um, then he's going to go again with some screenshots because at the moment <laughs> I'm very happy with KR, and again, he's certainly in credit. And fair play to him, the way he's turned things around recently. Well, not not just recently, but I mean this season in particular. You know, it seems like uh, that that click, as we spoke about quite a few podcasts ago, has uh, seemed to happen now. And I think even if we do slip up in, in especially against Rotherham, which is a tough game that we'll go on to in, in a moment, um, it's not the be all and end all. We're still very early on in the season, but positive yeah. signs, very positive. Absolutely. Right. Let's talk about what happened across League One. Benjamin. Yeah, I'll just quickly fly through this. Um, only eight games this weekend. Three were called off because of international duties. And it was Shrewsbury's turn to have the week off because they were meant to play Berry. Um, looking at who we've played and who we're going to play, uh, recent results, Accrington lost 2-1 away at Rochdale. Um, make of that what you will. I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, <laughs> Pompey uh, can only manage a 0-0 draw at home to Gillingham. So their quite inconsistent start to the season continues. Uh, and Rotherham, who we Connor's going to touch on in a second, who we play on Saturday, they... Quite a good 2-1 win away at Blackpool. So they come into the game on a decent run of form. Uh, other results, Peterborough, decent 2-0 win at home to Lincoln. Lincoln seem to be sort of yo-yoing between wins and losses alternately at the moment. Uh, yeah, that's interesting after that Sunderland result yeah. last weekend. Just, I suppose that's two really tough games. They would have taken three points from those two, you imagine. Yeah, you would. But it also shows that sort of on their day, any team can beat anybody. Because, I mean, looking at another result from just early today, Tramia got a, a hard-fought one to win away at Coventry. And Tramia are right near the bottom of the league. And Coventry, you know, pretty much unbeaten until a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, some games, teams are just going to beat other teams. Uh, another one, Southend, they're really struggling still. They lost 4-1 away to fellow strugglers, Wimbledon. Uh, sorry, at home to Wimbledon. Uh, I think they just need a manager now. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was on the radio just before, just as I was having dinner before coming on the computer to start the pod. I think they were talking about Dirk Kout and someone else. I don't know if they were talking about Southend, but there's uh, Hendrik Larson, isn't he? He's in the running for it. I definitely heard Dirk Kite Kout, however you say it, the old Liverpool yeah. player, was um, mentioned maybe as a support to someone else. Maybe it was Larson. Yeah. I don't know. I say Larson's definitely been interviewed because there were in, in their last home game he was in the he was in the stands and there was mention of him being being interviewed so, so that'd be interesting I think uh, yeah. Yeah, Dirk Cout was definitely one of a couple of former players who were sort of all chipping in with a financer is one rumour I've heard as well uh, and another which I didn't know which I read today was the self-proclaimed greatest mind in football Sol Campbell uh, has also been interviewed for the job mm. go on Sol <laughs> 
He didn't end up doing that badly at Macclesfield, did he? He, he didn't. He kept him up. No, like a, no yeah. I think he, he did it? a good job. Yeah, he left on his own accord. He wasn't. Yeah, sacked. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. But so uh, table-wise, uh, top two Ipswich Wickham didn't play no change uh, with their wins. Peterborough and, and Bristol Rovers move up towards the top of the playoffs. As you mentioned, we're up to eighth. Uh, bottom of the table, Bolton didn't play. South End still struggling, even though that we're there. Their win, Wimbledon, still down there. Uh, Accrington, MK Dons, uh, and Tramia. So, still, still plenty of games to play for, and also it's a bit off off sync with all the international games and Berry not playing. So, I think the table needs at least another ten games to sort of straighten itself yeah. a bit. I do think the quality of the league this year isn't what it was last year, which means that I don't think we're going to be anywhere. I know we're on this run of form now, but there's no risk of us in my head. I might eat my words here, but I don't think there's any risk of us dropping down too far. <laughs> but you've got, Bol- you've got Bolton, you've got Southend who are looking shocking. Wimbledon, whilst they've had a good result, haven't been great this season. Um, Tram- Tranmere were just woeful when we played them. So, you know. I, I don't think we'll be down fighting for our lives like last year, if that's what you mean. Then yeah. But just, just if anything goes wrong, blame James. <laughs> I'll take that. That's fine. Right. Let's preview Rotherham. Right. So Rotherham, uh, a tough game, I think, on Saturday at the New York Stadium. Uh, I'm just going to run through just a few bits about uh, the Millers' recent form, some of their players, and obviously provide those of you that are making the journey up or in your guys' cases, a long down. Down. A bit. A bit. Yeah. Um, to the best post, or oh, sorry, pre-match and post-match, actually, pubs. Um, so I think uh, last month, uh, Rotherham were on a little bit of a, a decent uh, decent run. Uh, they smashed Bolton 6-1, but then they kind of hit, hit a little bit of a bump in the road uh, so far this this month, uh, where they only picked up two points in there. From their uh, their next three games, which included a one nil loss uh, to Bristol Rovers, although uh, in more recent weeks they have they have turned this fortune around, and they've won their last three games in all competitions, which includes a very impressive three uh, nil win over Coventry, and uh, actually on Saturday, yesterday they beat Blackpool two uh, one away from home, which is something that we couldn't do. It was a four nil win against Coventry in your own notes, Connor. Come on. Well, did, what did I say? You said 3-0. Oh, did I? Oh, all right. Good good spot, mate. Cheers. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, tell you, I just skipped through it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, in terms of some players to note, um, I think one of them is to, to look at is uh, Michael Smith, who's a six-foot-three striker. And uh, as, as Simon Grayson, the uh, uh, Blackpool manager, he noted in his uh, pre-match interview yesterday that he's very good in the air. And he also mentioned that <laughs> Rotherham's Air Force, which I thought was a great way of putting it, um, pose a number of will pose sorry a number of clubs uh, problems this season. So um, I think be prepared to hold your breath every time we can see the corner on Saturday because they've got some big lads in their team. Um, Smith he scored yesterday um, to put put the Millers one up against Blackpool. Um, although here's something to note about Smith: uh, he featured 65 times for the Scum. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to let him know that on Saturday. It's a shame. Um, yeah, it is a shame. Uh, lastly, Freddie Ladapu. 
I've absolutely butchered that name, but um, he's worth keeping an eye on because he's the uh, top goal scorer so far with four goals in all competitions for the Millers. So on to the, the important bits, which is the pubs. Um, <laughs> so there's a number of, a number of away-friendly pubs near the stadium, and um, some of these require cup colours to be covered up, and they do not allow children. So as we've said in previous pods, like, and, like uh, to quote Andy... <laughs> Get your get your get your bags out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so I've got four pubs to to note. Uh, the furthest pub away, well, not the furthest pub away, but <laughs> that was recommended uh, was the Bridge Inn, uh, which is just over a mile away from the ground. Um, it's right next to the train station, that one, and it's got an Oxford United scarf in it. So, unless it's changed, that's why go. it's worth going. I like that. I like that. See, that's the tidbit you won't get from me because I've never been to Rotherham. Um, well, you've only been legally allowed to drink for like four months or something, haven't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my youth banter. I, I know, I know, I know. But it, mate, it's mate. Come on, like, if we swapped my my two and my three over for my age, we'd make yours. So you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, so following the next pub, which is very weird, it's there's there's a pub called the Rhinoceros. If anyone, fan, if anyone fancies that one, um, which is a you know, great, bit do you of a weird only name go in pub. there? Do you only go in there if you're feeling horny? Oh, <laughs> oh Christ, oh, See, there we go. What I've just said about age, <laughs> dad joke. Um, <laughs> at least you are a dad, so you can claim that. Um, <laughs> but the two closest pubs that probably will be the most of interest is the Cutler's Arms and the New York Tavern. And these are just a sort of stone throw away from the ground. So if you get down early, have a few pints before the game, and hopefully if you get a good result, have a few more pints afterwards. Um, so on that note, gents, predictions, what do we think? Ben? Mm. Um, well, I mean, I can't, I can't predict against us given the run of form we're on uh, and we're going, so I'd like to see us win. Um, I'm going to go with 2-0. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. I think we're playing very well at the moment. Uh, Henry's going to score, because why not? And uh, Baptiste. (laughs) Oh, okay. Interesting. I still don't feel like I know enough about Rotherham to call it properly, but if Henry scores, we we win, right? So uh, with Dickie not being there as well, the clean sheet, I'm not so sure. He makes a massive difference to that back line. Um, so let's say 2-1 with uh, James Henry getting a couple of goals for us again. One being a nice. penalty. Very specific. Ooh, very specific. Um, I also think that um, Rotherham will, will, will put up a good fight, but I think if we play like the way we have been in recent weeks, we'll we'll roll them over as well. So Because, uh, you know... They, they're not they're not immune to conceding goals, um, so I'm, I'm going to go with a three-one win, and I want to go with goals from Fosu, Henry, and I'm sticking Elliot Moore on the score sheet, especially Ooh. with that strikers finish that he did a couple of weeks back. I'm um, I'm sticking him on, so fingers crossed. And on that note, safe journey to everyone who travels. Right, so we're into the on this day section. Connor, are you doing this for us this week? We're only I got am. one. 
We've only got one, so it'll be a very quick one. So uh, continuing our theme from last week's pod, uh, where we spoke about being absolutely awful when we're on TV. Um, <laughs> I know this isn't quite on this day, but it's very close to. So uh, give us the benefit of the doubt, please. And any hate, direct them towards Ben. Um, on <laughs> October the 11th in 2014, we played Cambridge away, and this was broadcasted on Sky Sports. Uh, we took the lead with a uh, Danny Hilton header after nine minutes. And uh, subsequently, we got battered. Um, we, we eventually lost the game 5-1. And at this point, which is interesting to note, um, people were calling for Appleton's head. And we were only 12 games in. And at this point, we were 23rd. So, uh, you know, good job Appleton didn't get his head cut at that point because look what he ended up doing for us. Yeah. So, yeah. I... Being a fickle football fan, I was I wasn't necessarily calling for his head, but I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um and be it that Appleton was never the most like charismatic in interviews and stuff. He wasn't didn't feel like he was relating to the Oxford fans in any way. And it was a really strange time. And it's an interesting on this day because of that, because it's interesting for perspective to see where he's at now and how he turned the club around. But it yeah. really stuck in my memory that game. I mean, don't don't worry, mate. We're all fickle. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I went through my little fickle moment earlier in the podcast. So, you know, we're all guilty of it. Right. Uh, and then we've got the uh, last pick in. Actually, we should have always had. Let's try next time to have a nice positive one as well. We have a negative one to remind us how, how bad we've had it and how good we've got it now. And then a positive one. But we'll do that next time. Uh, we'll move on to the last pick in PE 11. So at the previous pod, we were searching for a right back and as predicted Mr T and Dali came up trumps uh, with over 75% of the vote we had a uh, John Robertson with 4% Jude Sterling 6% David Hunt a little bit harsh wasn't it 15% hopefully he hasn't seen it and he's getting on with his life oh, um, stop saying so- your nose is so brown <laughs> just Seriously. in case you know he might want to you know <laughs> might want to be my friend one day um, Perhaps. Tian Dali, we had someone, so he obviously won and he's going to fill that gap that we had at right back. So congratulations to Dwight. Uh, but someone <laughs> sent, sent something into the pod uh, Twitter account that we all take a look at um, saying that uh, Tian Dali still lives in Oxford and he goes to a gym, the same gym as an Oxford fan. And the Oxford fan was saying to us that he, um, that Dwight rocks up in kind of a full kit every time. Uh, he sometimes has a kit with his own name on it, but and sometimes has a kit that he's been given from teammates and stuff. So most recently, he was pictured with a Leroy Furs full Swansea kit. Um, but I just, you I, know, it's I, just an interesting picture, isn't it? You just don't... <laughs> I can't believe he's like again. Excuse my language. I can't believe he's generally going full kit wanker to a gym. <laughs> like, oh, no, he's, in, oh, no. he's in full. He's in full kit. It's not training kit, is it? It's generally full kit. So I feel a little bit better though that he's wearing other players. If he had his own name on the back and he's just walking around going, uh, <laughs> "Do you know who I am?" That would that uh, would be. <laughs> you know, he actually oh, bless him. did he score? He definitely played for Swansea at Old Trafford. I think Swansea won, or maybe actually no. 
I'm thinking there's a good clip of him absolutely spaffing the ball out of play when he when he should have scored for Swansea at Old Trafford. He definitely didn't score. <laughs> I'll find that. I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it and I'll put it on the pod account to celebrate his inclusion in our in our team. Um, so we better move on to the left back position. So the candidates this time around. So is this Jenin? This is one that I didn't even know. Jack must have put this in, right? Is it Jenin? I think it's Jenin. Jenin. Jeninin. Yeah, so he, I think so. Apparently he was slow, up himself, couldn't defend or cross, came highly rated from Exeter. He was ponderous and uninterested. That's a that's a nice review. <laughs> Five star. Yeah. If you're listening, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then we have uh Jonathan Mead. So this is a bit distasteful, maybe, uh, I, or a bit I, t- I think this tongue in cheek. Well, I think this one's harsh. So he had, for once this for once this one wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not necessarily. I, I guess being a last pick in PE eleven rather than a sick note eleven is uh, harsh. But yeah. he had lots of lots of potential, and there was kind of huge expectation when we signed him in twenty thirteen. But he got injured in a preseason game versus Coventry, and he never really recovered. So he only made seven league appearances for us, and re- he did end up retiring at twenty six after making ninety one yeah. appearances for Wimbledon. Um, so I'm assuming he never got over that injury. But the thing that made me want to include him was that he scored the winning goal against us in a 2-1 win yeah. them back in March yeah, 2018. He kind, of, he kind of got the last laugh, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is my last laugh, right? What if he loses? You want to get him in. You want him in, well, don't you? I don't think he will win, but it was a, it was a shout. Uh, going on from that, we have Tony Capaldi. So he joined us in June 2011 on a two-year deal, apparently on a pretty penny as well. Uh, but after having a stop-start spell with kind of Morgan the season before, um, he kind of joined us. And similar to Meads, he barely played a game in that first year. In fact, he only made his debut on the final day of that season, which was a 3-0 defeat to Port Vale. Um, played a bit, 30-odd games for us the following season and then moved on to Tamworth, but very forgetful and, uh, yeah, just not, not awe-inspiring. And speaking of awe-inspiring, Connor, um, Tom Newey was the one you wanted to put in. It was, yeah. I uh, I mentioned it in last week's pod. Tom Newey for me. Uh, yeah, not not the most thrilling of attacking full-backs, was he? Or, you know, to be fair, thinking about attacking, he, could, he couldn't even defend either. And uh, he was part of that really frustrating season, 2013-14, that we had in League Two, which was actually the season where Chris Wilder left us. So perhaps Newey was so awful that Wilder was like, nah, sod this, I'm off. Um, yeah. I'm blaming it all on Tom Newey. <laughs> so please, uh, I, I really hope that fellow Oxford fans feel my pain and vote Tom Newey in, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Ben Ben will remember, remember this, but the only time I've ever had to turn to our own fans and ab- shout at them or abuse them was a Tom Newey-based incident. And it was when he got sent <laughs> off away at Chesterfield yeah. when we were already losing 3-0. And it was such yeah. a needless tackle for the ball that had gone. And he just kind of did a flying kick, got sent off. And a load of our fans were going, get in, Tom, have it. Absolutely have it. And I just couldn't, I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal with it. I t- turned around yeah. and absolutely hammered him. It was not nice, was it, Ben? No, but it was very funny. <laughs> not for you. It's not for me, yeah. Watching me <laughs> explode. It's, it's funny because I was, I was at that game as well. So obviously, little did I know, years down the line, here we are. What were you like four years old then? Well, I was, anyway. <laughs> I was actually I was I was still an embryo actually. So yeah. you know, 
the reality is there, not me. I'm <laughs> he's just jealous. jealous. He's I am just jealous. so jealous that I'm young. It's just can't help it, mate. But, mate, to be fair, at least you know you've obviously used moisturizer because you don't look it, so you're all right. <laughs> um, just quickly on that season because I looked at it earlier on. And I was curious because. It was a really weird season when Wilder left and we were in third place in the automatic places after 31 games. Try and process this, right? Third place in the automatic places after 31 games with 54 points. And we were 13 points clear of Hartlepool who sat one place outside the playoffs at that time. All right. We finished the season with 62 points, nine points off the playoffs. So only managed to collect eight points from the remaining 15 games to finish up the season. And I am solely holding Tom Nury responsible. (laughs) (laughs) But that is absolutely incredible. And I remember being so upset and disillusioned at that time. But, oh, wow. Wilder should not have probably left, was my summary. If, if you look at the way the season turned after he left, it's very interesting. And it's one that you kind of repress memory of. But go and have a look at that on Wikipedia if you're listening and you're interested. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> right, we're on to the quiz. Hi, this is James. Uh, unfortunately, Ben, who was hosting the quiz, had his audio cut out a few times whilst asking questions. And the quiz as a whole is largely inaudible and would be very difficult to put back together. It just sounds like people with Tourette's shouting Paul Moody every now and then, uh, which some people might find entertaining, to be fair. Now, I'd love to use this as an opportunity to tell you that I smashed poor little Connor into pieces, but he actually beat me six points to four in our head-to-head, so I've missed the chance to move away from John in the standings. Uh, If you're curious, Ben's quiz was based on asking kind of fine line heads or tails type questions like who scored more for Oxford, Paul Moody or Joey Beecham or who had more yellow cards, this person or that person. Personally, I don't think anyone has really missed out. But anyway, I'll cut back in as we're wrapping up and I'll get back to poorly bleeping out Connor's swearing. See you next week. Right, so we will be back next week. We'll be obviously reviewing uh, Rotherham. And we will be previewing Rochdale, I want to say. My voice has gone really high. Bear with me one second. Yeah. Yes, correct. Rochdale. That's knowledge yeah. there for you. Yeah, yeah. Solid, solid knowledge. Screw your quiz. <laughs> Real knowledge is knowing when we're playing Rochdale. Right. On that note, thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next week. Ta ra. <sighs> Bye-bye. Ta-ra, indeed. Mm-hmm.